This is a podcast asking the very best in the world how to stay resilient. I'm Michael Bungay-Stanier, and we will get through this. The first time I was introduced to the concept of projects and through projects, the idea of project management actually came from a productivity guy. It was David Allen. And David Allen wrote a book that was really significant and influential in the 90s called Getting Things Done. And he said, look, look, we get overwhelmed by all the stuff that's on our plate. And it's really helpful to start thinking about almost everything you do as a project. If it requires more than two steps, think of it as a project. And then if, you're, uh, if you think of it as a project, then you can start managing it as a project. Because once you have it as a project, you start realizing that you can't actually do a project. You can only do the next part of the project, the next step, the next action. And that was a revolutionary concept for me when, when David introduced that to me. And I've been thinking or trying to think about the work I do both in my business life and in my personal life. And kind of projectizing it because it feels a powerful way to manage it and to think about it. And of course, in tough times when you're under stress and you're under pressure and systems are one of the solutions that helps you live a better life and feel more in control, being good at project and project management might be one of the key strategies to help you get through this. So, curating this podcast, I was like, I need to go find somebody who is a project management whiz. And I go, why not start at the top? Why not go for the very best? And I have the very best. So let me introduce you to Antonio Nieto Rodriguez. He is the world expert on projects, project management, the project economy, the project manifesto, the hierarchy of projects, um, and the hierarchy of purpose. And if you're a reader of HBI, you will have come across his work. If you're a follower of Thinkers 50, which is really, as they say, the Oscars of management, you will know him as one of the winners of the Thinkers 50. He really has been a champion forever in saying that projects are the lingua franca of the business and personal worlds, all the way from the C-suite, all the way down through to all of us, you know, managing our careers and managing our relationships. He was the chairman of the Project Management Institute in 2016, and there he founded the Brightline Initiative, and he's held leadership uh, positions with PricewaterhouseCoopers, BNP Paribas Fortis, and GlaxoSmithKline. And of course, he's the co-founder of the Strategy Implementation Institute. As well as all of that, which would, to be frank, would leave me exhausted, but, but wait, there's more. He's written several books, uh, The Project Revolution, which came out 2019, Lead Successful Projects, 2019 as well, and the Focused Organization in 2014. And he, like me, is a member of the Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches, which is how I've got to know Antonio. So Antonio, welcome. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here uh, with you, talking to you. I I admire what you're doing. um, I love the way you think, so I'm uh, really, you. really honored to be here with you. Well, likewise. Well, this will be a this will be a beautiful mutual appreciation conversation. So I love that. I already feel my ego is stroked. So we're off to a great start. Now, Antonio, in the introduction, I said that you've been a champion for project management as this lingua franca for not just work in business, 
and not just for work with senior people in business, but for all of us in, in, our, in our lives, work life, relationship life, personal life. What, what is the power of project management? Well, Michael, yes, indeed. I've researched for years the, the concept of projects, and I love the introduction that you did with David Allen, also one of my inspirations. And, 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 and actually, the, the beauty of projects is that it helps you to put order in, in chaos, it's, uh, right. which, which often it happens in our lives that we love to start things. There's a human nature. We love to start things <laughs> to experiment. Yeah. And you see many people having overwhelmed of projects, too many projects, and, right. and, and you can't use project management to, to channel, to structure, to, to understand better how you spend and where you focus. So mm. that's where I, I see the beauty connecting projects with our personal lives. You know, there's two things that immediately strike me there, Antonio. One is the power of focus, and one is the, also the power of finishing things. But let's start with, with focus, because that's, that's making a choice on where to start. And I'm one of those people who finds it hard to focus. You know, definitely the shiny object syndrome, SOS. I'm like, oh, I could do this, and I could do this, and I can do this. I've got a fertile mind that allows projects and ideas to breed like rabbits. And on the one hand, that can be really exciting and awesome. On the other hand, it can leave me chasing a thousand things and not making a lot of progress on any. So start by telling me just the power of focus. Why is that so important? Why is that so helpful? Well, I, I, I think I started on the on the focus path a bit like you, Michael. I, I, I love to start things and <laughs> I realized I was not finishing things. I had some yeah. colleagues at work that I saw they were just good at one thing, but they were the best in the world. So I started to research in and, and I came across a study from Harvard. Um, this is maybe about 15 years ago and they actually realized that the people who are focused, so they focus, let's just maybe explain what I mean by focus. Yes. Focus means um, different ways. One thing is focus is attention. So you can focus on one thing for an hour. Um, and this should not be like entertainment or watching a movie. No, it's something that you, it takes effort. So it can be a presentation, a book that you're writing. So finding that time or space where nobody bothers you, your mind is 100% dedicated to one thing. Like so that's that. one type of focus, which is extremely, extremely important, very hard that, to do. That's what Cal Newport would call deep work, that power of kind of going deep into something and allowing the time given to it and that lack of distraction to allow you to actually get into the intricacies of the work that's required. Exactly, exactly. And I'm sorry if there's a little bit of background. My little son is is uh, running around. You know, we're all we're in celebrating lockdown. that. That that is, <laughs> uh, that, that, and you're embodying focus in a time of distraction. So you're you're teaching as you're explaining. It's perfect. Exactly. So apologies for that. But anyway, yes, Michael, you're spot on. So that's one area which I think we all should practice, especially in mm -hmm. today's time where, where attention is such a challenge with all the multimedia and technology. So, but I realized that it happened to me, Michael. So, but I forced myself. I always had, I think everybody has done this to-do list. You start with your to-do list yes. and you always start with this, the, the, the easiest part. Yes. Uh, what I learned to do is start with the most difficult, flip right. it around, and you'll see that your brain will 
connect to that topic very quickly. It takes about half a, half a minute yeah. and then you're starting to get into the song. So that's a sm simple trick. Always yeah. start with the most difficult to do in your list. Yeah, I heard somebody say, if you're going to eat a frog, eat it in the morning. <laughs> and there's, <laughs> there's something like that, which is like, start with the hard thing because I know for me, I've had days where I'm like, I have done 98 things on my to-do list. I just haven't done the two important things on my to-do list. And so yeah. the day feels busy, but not actually productive. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know how I came to this as, as well? I, I, I'm, I don't like to sport too much, uh, Michael. I, uh, and I do Bikram yoga. So this is yoga in a hot room. Mm -hmm. And I realized my brain, uh, from going from my house to the yoga studio, it was yeah. constantly telling me, don't go to yoga. <laughs> go to have a beer with your yeah, friends, exactly. especially now with it. And then when I forced myself to do the yoga class, after a few minutes, I was feeling good. And when the yeah. class was done, I was feeling really good. So it's kind of amazing how the brain tends to go to the easy, quick uh, sure. things, while the worthy are the tough ones. So I think that's a very interesting area. We can all get better. Yeah, I agree with that. So there's like just the personal discipline of staying focused and committing to doing the hard thing and working on the thing that may not feel as good in the immediate moment, but is a bigger commitment to the, the, the future you, the better version of you that you're after. Exactly. What, what about focus in terms of making choices about where you spend your time? Yeah, that's the second level. The second level is where you prioritize for your life, what you mm -hmm. want to do, what you want to become, what you like to spend your time uh, in career-wise or develop personal development or family. or So that's another very interesting area, Michael. And, and <clears throat> everybody talks now about finding your purpose. And, and I do agree that you should spend the time where you really enjoy when work doesn't feel like work. It's just like a hobby, which yes. I'm, you, I'm sure you're there already, uh, Michael, but Some many of the time. people are not. <laughs> Some of the time. Some of the time so, it feels great. Some of the time I'm like, I, who, who gave me this job? And I'm like, oh, I gave me this job. Okay, I've got nobody to blame here but myself. But yeah. yeah. So, and, and that's also the importance of focus is making choices of where you want to spend, where you want to develop and, and following through. You mentioned that is, is following through is one of the most important thing. We love, we love to start things, but after a couple of the days trying, then you stop. So that's not how you learn. It's I think a good friend of us, Michael Whitney is an expert in Whitney yes. Johnson. Expert Whitney in Johnson the yeah. When we start anything, we start is always at the bottom of the S. So there's always a learning curve. And I think for putting your time is if, if you don't need money for work, where will you spend your time? This is a nice way to, um, to start uh, knowing where you can focus. This is things that you really enjoy doing, where you more work in the morning and you're really excited to, to learn something else or talk to some people. That's often where focus should uh, go. And the other thing on focus is saying no many times. Steve yes. Jobs. Uh, was a great example of focus when he came back to up and he says, we need to focus on the things that we're good at. And right. focus means saying no to many things. He died. And that's where we're not trained as well. It's very, we're not trained to say no. We feel guilty. We feel bad. We feel like nobody will like us. Mm -hmm. I had this in my career. I felt bad when I was saying no. And, and you learn to to say no. And it's not that you don't like the people or the topic, but you have priorities. It's, it's, it is a superpower 
to start feeling comfortable and saying no and doing it with grace, yes. but doing it with clarity can really revolutionize the, the way you show up in the world and the impact you have. Antonio, exactly. let, me ask you, let me ask you this question. So in tough times, you're pulled in at least three different ways. There's one part of you that goes to the, this is the fire that is burning and the thing I need to fix right away because it feels urgent. I can feel my, my pulse rate. I can feel my anxiety. I need to solve this. There's another part of you that goes, I need to find comfort. <laughs> I, need to, yeah. I need to go out for that beer with my friends. Forget the yoga. I need beer. <laughs> and there's a part of you that goes there. And then there's a, that third option that you're pointing to, which is the work, I would call it great work, the work that has more impact, the work that has more meaning for you. Yeah. And I'm wondering how you help people navigate between those three choices because they all feel they have their, their, their prizes and they all have their punishments. How do, you, how do you help people have the courage to make the right choice there? Well, I think both three dimensions are important, Michael. I think if you just focus on one, you miss a lot in your life with the other one. So right. I, I, I think it's, 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 I've seen some theories saying you need to split your time on one third, one third, one third. But reality means that you go through phases in your life. Right. So there might be the next three months where you say, okay, I need to spend 80% of my time on on. I just want to get social and I, I, I need people around me. So the next month, that's going to be my priority. Don't forget the other two pieces. Still dedicate 10, 20%. Mm -hmm. But understand that things are faces in your life with a lot of context. And, and even now, now it's, it's just amazing the, the, yeah. the constraints that we have. But don't forget to work on three areas that you mentioned. Nurture right. them. But understand that there's phases where you need to prioritize on learning or social or professionally. Um, and, and, and I think it's important. Don't be afraid to say, yeah, for the next month, I'm going to prioritize that stream. And, and that's where I want to uh, spend most of the time. Beautiful. I think this uh, conscious choice makes a big difference. Then, like you were saying, Michael, you feel better. You feel right. better with yourself. Um, you feel in control of your life and your schedule and your time. And the family around will see that too. I remember hearing years ago the concept of a portfolio career. And that's <laughs> kind of what introduced me to this idea, which is yeah. so you can't actually get everything you want and need from a single source. You need to build a, rich, a diversity of sources because, you know, thinking about work, but really this is life. You're like some, some engagements give you the money that you need. Some engagement give you the purpose that you're looking for. Some engagements give you the relationships that you're looking for. Some engagements give you the profile that you might be hungry for. And in the same way that you might look at a, a portfolio of investments and going, I need to have a balanced portfolio. And what balanced means is different from to all of us because we all have different yeah. lives and different needs. So too, as you think about the life you're deliberately constructing, you go, how do I, how do I find the right balance for my portfolio so I get what I need and the, and the relationships I'm in get what they need from me as well? I think this is one of the best advice you can give to anybody in, in, in the work uh, field, uh, Michael, yeah. I, uh, I, 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 
came into this maybe not consciously. I I've always had a job, a fixed job in a corporate, from right. consulting to banking to pharma. But maybe twenty what 15 20 years ago i started to diversify i wanted to teach i had been taught really badly i was a really bad student i learned in an mba school that you can teach where people find it interesting and it can be a bit of magic so i wanted to become a, a teacher which will yeah teach in a different way to project management so that could, nice. people could understand and and that led to research and that led to some consulting assignment in parallel so i i built a career in a corporate which gives me a bit of stability and then i have my freedom with my brand my area and this is such a blessing where i don't need to depend on of course i do my job otherwise you're out sure. but you don't depend on politics or restructuring things and and you have the nice part of your own business and i can see that you're even more courageous where you set up your own business right. and and have diversity in different things but i <laughs> yeah. highly recommend everybody to do something on top of what they're doing and hopefully closer to their passion and hobby because that gives you balance that gives you stability that mm -hmm. peace of mind um and and fun you're an expert in project management. You know, at, at GSK, you've been the head of the project management office there. So you have more insight into the where people stumble in the in the whole concept of project management, helping people where they start and how do they get to the finish. For those of us who don't have as much experience in project management, but who are attracted to this idea of, yeah, I should you should kind of start projectizing parts of my life or all of my life so I can run it in a different way. What are some of the key tenants on, on just running a project well? How do, how do I do this so I don't go off the rails and I actually get to, the, to finish the thing that I want to finish? Yeah. Um, yes, I, I've researched this so much. So a couple of tips for, for people who are listening. I think we need to be a bit careful when we start a project. Think a bit more. Maybe take a week extra to really think about, is this really the project I want to oh, uh, I commit that. time? Because yeah. we jump straight away. We create a project. The first iPhone, I researched the first iPhone. The idea of having an iPhone in Apple took three years. They right. developed, they prototyped, and only after three years, they said, let's set up a project, a really good project with the best team in Apple. But it took three years. So some of the ideas that you have in your mind, think them through. Stop. Reflect. Is this Beautiful. the right options? Uh, that, that will help you to choose better the projects you start. Yeah. That, I mean... That alone is gold dust. <laughs> yes. Because that yes. whole piece around, I mean, I, I've, I've learned this the hard way. You know, when I come up with ideas for projects, I write them down and I throw them into a book and I'm like, just wait. <laughs> this makes it, They always seem yeah. like a brilliant idea in the moment. Yes, and always. about a week later, I look at them and I go, I don't even, I don't even know what that's about. <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> talk. And yes. There, and part of what's built into that insight, Antonio, is the insight about opportunity cost, which is Absolutely. if you are committing to something, you are saying no explicitly or implicitly to other opportunities. Absolutely. So you really got to make sure as best you can that you take the best guess at the choice you make. So 
hold it open, Absolutely. hold the space, weigh, weigh your choices so that when you say yes, it's a full-blooded, full-committed yes, not a, it was the first thing I thought of. So I think that's a perfect start. What exactly. Else, what else would you suggest in terms of getting smart about project management? I, 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 in project management, we've always talked about the business case. So it's the, mm -hmm. the return on investment. It, and it's very financial. And, and I always struggle with that term because, well, when you look at business cases, they look all great. Like you were saying, <laughs> Michael, yes. Yeah. Of course, we will never do a project that has a bad business case. So we're going to conquer the world. And, but right. actually, there's a lot of bias on that. So I talk about the purpose of the project. So really think about the why. What's the problem you're going to solve? solve or what's the opportunity you're trying to capture so clarity on the purpose of the project it will help you to engage your stakeholders your friends your family your partners yeah. if you don't do that and you move straight from well we're going to get a 15 re, uh, percent return on investment who cares it's about the purpose yeah beautiful and i tell you what's powerful for me in terms of me listening to you and learning from that antonio it's that insight. You, it was almost a throwaway line, but it's like often when you're asked to build a business case to a project that you've already kind of committed to in your own head, yes. you yes. you kind of you post rationalize it. So of course you make a business case that sounds compelling because you want it to be compelling because you've already committed to it. And having the discipline to go, is there a business case here? Am I fantasizing? You know, and potentially even going, what's not the business case? What's the case for not doing this project? Might be a way of trying to balance out a, a cognitive bias you have that will that makes you want to say yes to the thing you've already secretly said yes to. I love that. Yes, absolutely. Very good advice, Michael. Yes. One thing that's important linked to the purpose is setting one fixed goal. So it's, it's a, an ambitious goal. It's, a, it's very important, again, to start the project with a target or there, there are targets in your projects which is finished on time. Uh, but that doesn't deliver the benefits. It's no. what do you want to achieve with that project? Uh, and, and often we say, well, we just want to finish on time. That's not inspirational. You That's need to perfect. go the extra yeah. mile. What's, I want to convert uh, people. I want to increase the followers to that level. I want to make an impact right. and, and be in Thinkers 50 or, or have my own shop. So think about by when. It's very important the by when because... Right. Otherwise, you keep dragging on and then you will start probably another project. So set just one firm deadline, one. That's, that will help you. And not 10 years now. It should <laughs> exactly. be something that puts a bit of pressure. Right. Six months is a good deadline. I love that. And, and there's something powerful about are you setting a process goal or an outcome goal? That's what I'm hearing here, which is – Yes, it, it's kind of cheating to set a process goal, which means did you tick the box that you set up for yourself to tick? You're like, hey, well done. <laughs> Not really. Exactly. Whereas if you go, what what's the you know coming back to Steve Jobs, which you mentioned earlier, what's the little dent in the ding in the universe that you're trying to make here? Exactly. And exactly. And I think there's something powerful here about willing to set a goal against which you might fail. Because there is so, I, I find myself scaling back my ambition so I can succeed. <laughs> I'm like, if I set a smaller goal, I'm going to hit it. Yeah. 
if I set a bigger goal, I may, you know, the classic saying is, you know, I shot for the stars, but at least I hit the moon. And I'm yeah. Like, Pick some stars here, people. I mean, have some courage about what you declare as your goal, knowing that you will be able to stand in a place of successful failure potentially. I love that. It's, it's just so complementary to what I was saying, and I endorse that. It's, it, aim, aim big, aim high. It is what will make you work the extra mile, will make you, will, will inspire people around you. So, yeah, we love, we, we really love stretch goals. We love mm -hmm. that. That's what we are excited. And if we fail, well, again, it's, it's not that bad. You achieve something. And, and what I say always, projects can have phases. Uh, yes. You can have a first project of six months and then you reconsider, you recaliber, and then you go right. for the next six months. So don't go for a 12-month project. Go for a two projects of six months. Yeah, beautiful. Hey, Antonio, I've got a question for you around the courage piece. And it mm. kind of connects back to the question that I think lies at the heart of strategy and lies at the heart of projects and project management, which is what are we going to say yes to and what are we saying no to? And you said as much, which is it's hard to say no because you're not, when you say no to anything, you're saying no to somebody because there's, there's always a person attached somewhere along the line. And of course, you know, the people who listen to this podcast, they're all lovely people and they're generous and they're open-hearted and they, they don't love conflict. They seek to be harmonious with the people with whom they work. It sounds like you've walked this path. How have you got better at having the courage to say no, particularly in times of stress where there's part of you that goes, like, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to keep it calm here. Yeah, I, I, I just feel um, feel it so much inside me. I, it was really a, a strong weakness in in my career where I, I was just taking everything and and was not able to say no. And and actually, Michael, it's less complicated than what we think. We create these models in our heads mm -hmm. where people will uh, react badly. People will not like you. You will not be invited to. And actually, people understand, actually appreciate it sometimes because right. you're committing for them to deliver something that you probably will not be able to deliver or right. at least at the quality. So, I, I recommend just to try it. Try it. If you try it three, four, five times and you see the reaction of your uh, the person in front of you, you'll see that they don't take it back. Actually, they appreciate it. And, and you might be able to help them later on or in a different way. That. Like, well, I cannot do it right now, but I know Michael, who's a great guy and he's the best coach in, in, in the <laughs> world. He, he, he might be able to give you some advice. Yes. So I, I think... This is such a benefit for me. Yeah. And like you say, it was courage. It was really, I felt unconfident with myself. I, 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 yeah, I was not very, very confident. And, and it's such a flip. It's, it's not a, if you, for example, if you want to be a, a keynote speaker, that would take you years. You need to practice. But yeah. switching to saying no for me was not too difficult. It was a matter of six weeks, two, yeah. two weeks, two months where you practice and then you see, okay, wow, it works. So, yes, do it. One of the, one of the mind games I played with myself around this is to tell myself that actually my default response is no. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I heard a phrase from somebody where he said, 
look, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And yeah. the holding the standard of the hell yes has really helped me have, be able to more lightly offer up the no. And I, yeah. I tell people, like for instance, in a very small thing, I get asked regularly to blurb people's books. Um, you know, yeah. I'm I'm yeah. I'm just a minor celebrity enough that people go, having your name on my book will help it. And I'm oh, like, it, it probably won't. But <laughs> but I say to them, I'll either say, look, with with all respect, I've got so much going on right now, I can't give this the attention it would need because I only blurb books that I've read. So I'm just going to have to respect, respectfully decline. That's the language I use. Nice. Respectfully decline. But sometimes if I've got capacity and the book sounds interesting, I'll go, look, I'm happy to take a look. But my standard is if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And I end up saying no to the majority of the books that I read. So knowing that, please send me your manuscript. And Perfect. it just negotiates an expectation that exactly. allows me, if I read the book and I go, yeah, it's not quite the book that I was hoping for, I can just come back and say, you know what, Thank, well done for writing a book because that's hard. Good luck with your book because I hope it does really well. Unfortunately, I'm not going to blurb it for you. And almost always they're, they're pretty cool with it. Nice, nice. I like that. I'll, I'll take that on board. Thank you, Michael. Antonio, this has been a great conversation. It's, it's, um, I'm, I feel like I'm growing a spine, <laughs> courage <laughs> and focus. Because project management can feel a bit technical and a bit, you know, or you're either in a project management office or you're not. I'm not, yeah. a, I'm not that. So I'm just going to go around living my life. But when you frame it around focus, how to, be, how to make a, a courageous choice, how to begin something, how to finish something, and how to protect your focus around that, that just feels like something that we all need and we can all benefit from. So thank you. Thank you, Michael. It was such a pleasure. And I felt complimentary to what you were saying. So I've learned from this session too, and I hope your listeners as well, and uh, they can reach out, of course, happy to, to keep but, the discussion. Well, tell people where people can find you who are interested in learning more. <clears throat> Well, LinkedIn is the easy path, um, um, and then um, just my website is my name dot com, and and I love to contact people or that they reach out, and I I always answer. Um, sometimes I cannot help, but uh, I do appreciate that connection, especially nowadays where we need more and more connection. Yeah, perfect, Antonio, you are awesome. Thank you for this. It's been a great pleasure. A pleasure likewise. Thank you, Michael. Hey, it's Michael here. Two things before you go. The first is a gift. The second is a request. The gift, I want you to go to mbs.works and hunt down the year of living brilliantly. Really, it's some of my best work because it is a 52-week, 52-teacher, absolutely free video-based course where I spend a lot of time curating some of the smartest people I know and saying, teach me the best of what you've got. If you're looking to really step up to have a year that's just a little bit sweeter, a little bit better than the year you've just had, that is a terrific resource. So please go and check that out. Absolutely free, no obligation, nothing required other than for you to sign up and get going on it. And then for the request, I just want what every podcast host wants, which is a little bit of love. So if you'd consider going to iTunes or Spotify or whatever your favorite podcast platform is and giving the podcast a bit of a rating and a bit of a review, that would be amazing. Thank you.